Jones and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Welcome in. Thanks for hanging out with us here on this Wednesday afternoon as we're getting closer. Getting closer to game one between the Suns and the LA Clippers. We got the schedule in our hands. Came out a few hours ago. Game one. We knew it was going to be Sunday. We just didn't know what time. Now we do. It's going to be five o'clock on Sunday for game one. You I'll and be I will, there. Yep, you and I will both I'll be, be, there. I'll be there. Tuesday night is game two at Footprint Center. That's a seven o'clock tip time. Game three is going to be in LA. That's a seven thirty tip time. And game four in L.A. on Saturday, which I believe is a 1230 tip time. I think that's a middle of the day game. Yeah. So one of those every other day where, you know, it's a lot of a lot of a lot of pressure. You don't get a lot of time off. You play, you get you get the next day, then you play, you get the next day. So every other day for the first four game, five games of the series, then there'd be a two day break before they would play game six. Correct. Yes. There'd okay. be a, yes. All right. So no, wait, they, two day break between before they play game five. So between four and between five. Four and five is the break. And, in, and in five and six is regular just every, every other day, and in six and seven every other. So only once in a seven-game series would they have more than one day off yeah. in between games. Now, okay. last year, it was an issue. Chris Paul, it wore him down. There were a lot of things that wore down Chris Paul. Not having Devin Booker out there for a lot of the Pelican series certainly played a role in that. This year, you would presume that there's just not as much physical pressure on Chris Chris Paul like there was a year ago because of Kevin Durant and because they've basically been prepping him for this by having him play off the ball most of the year, at least some of the year. So hopefully it's not as impactful as it was a year ago because a year ago it was very compressed and it really wore Chris down over the course of the playoffs. Before we talk about this article um, previewing this game, and there have been a whole bunch that we've talked about today, lots of different angles. i got two sound bites I want to play about this series, okay? Yep. Kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit and talking about some of the other, you know, drama about all of this. Start with Kevin Durant, who spoke today at Suns practice and was asked a question invariably about Charles Barkley. I mean, look, the Suns are going to be on TNT a lot. The playoffs are about to start. Charles Barkley is going to have a lot of opportunities to talk about Kevin Durant. That hasn't always gone well, right? From both sides of the equation. No, they don't like each other. Just the last two Charles weeks. Charles called him soft. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, and Kevin Durant, yeah, they don't like each other. Kevin Durant today, he says, honestly, I think Barkley and I are on the same page. It's just... We both play ball. We both play in the NBA. Both are uh, superstar caliber players. <laughs> so I'm sure we can we can relate on a lot of things in life. You know, we've, we've accomplished and experienced the same things in this league. So, yeah, I wouldn't say we're not on the same page. We may disagree on some stuff, but... If you watch TNT, those guys disagree every day. So. <laughs> but but at, but to the core, we were all ball players. We grew up ball players and went through the journey as ball players. So I would I say we're on the same page already. Okay. Yeah. There's a follow up that I mean, we're working on getting. Yeah, working on follow up. Yeah, there's there's a follow up that we're working on getting. Which interesting. Is, interesting that he was asked about that. You yes. Know? Asked about the, the well, Chuck thing. I, I, I think because it became a story like a week or two ago. Well, okay, the Chuck thing became a story a week or two ago. And then there was that interview Kevin Durant gave in which he said, you know, I, I'm the one in charge of my legacy. Nobody decides my legacy. It's up to me. I'm not worried about what any. I just I, I show up, I hoop, I go home, I hang out with my family. Right. right. Remember that? Yeah. And you and I brought it up at the time. Like, well, if that's the case. Then whatever Charles Barkley says about you shouldn't bother you anymore. Right. Like you should just just rolls right off. Right. right? It does. I mean, this is a guy that at one time had a burner. 
a burner account to 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 rip organizations and players and saying got caught with it. So he is. I mean, look, it's, he is somewhat sensitive to what people say, or at least he was in the past. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the soundbite that we're fishing for, and I see Mitch out of the corner of my eye furiously working on getting it in there, is a cut where Durant is kind of asked, you know, would you, would you sit down with him? Would you, would you have a conversation with him? Here's what Kevin Durant said. I probably wouldn't say, I, I probably wouldn't say, probably wouldn't sit down with Charles, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you guys actually had that Zoom, I remember. Yeah. yeah that that might have been the first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we had some good moments, cool moments, but but like I said, to your point, we, we to the core, I respect everything Charles brought to the game of basketball, and I've tried to emulate all the greats in some form or fashion. So I'll never take away, you know, what he means to the game of ball. So yeah, I think we're all cut from the same cloth when you've been through this journey. Hmm. Interesting. You know what? Yeah. A much softer. Well, respect. It's a respected, respected comment. You know, softer respect. I mean, he could have took a shot at him, but he didn't. He's we're ball players. We we probably have some stuff in common. I mean, it's just that's fine. But he sit down with them, break bread, and have lunch. No, I mean, probably not. If they say we will go on the show with Chuck, they're probably going to say no and decline it. And you know, I respect that too. I mean, those two guys don't like each other. Let's not fake it and go on the air and pretend that they like each other. Remember how uncomfortable the Shaq thing was with Don. Mitchell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I forgot. I just wanted to say you can't carry a team. I forgot. All right, all right, all right, all right Shaq. All yeah. right, just want to let you know. That's just what I've been saying. You can't carry a team. God, I forgot about that. That was such. Yeah, it's just you know, but if you're a player, TV, isn't it? I mean, like, oh yeah, selfishly yeah. for us watching at home, yeah. that stuff is such good TV. Yeah, you know, like when I told Dennis Erickson, "Hey, coach." Gonna carry your bags. Yeah, lose this, it. Lose this game against Washington State. Yeah, and I'll, gonna, I'll pack, I'm your, pack bags your bags for you. for you. And then the next week we had Dennis Erickson on as part of our weekly visit. I offered You're the like, pack his bags. I, I said, I said I'd do it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. No, I mean that stuff <laughs> that was, was awkward. Yeah, it was awkward. I I'm was sure that was five, five feet from you when you did that. I'm like, oh god, this is so awkward. What have I done? Why am I here? I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't be here right now. Oh, it was Dennis Erickson that shouldn't have been there well, right no, now. But me too. I felt we, awkward we, about we, it. As we well. got him out of there. All right, one more. Soundbite I want to play, um, and this is Russell Westbrook today and his availability. He got no beef with Kevin Durant. Nothing. That would be normal for me. Uh, there's no, like, I think people still think it's like there's some beef or something. There's no beef of any sort. I think that's a, a, a good narrative for, you know, for media, for people to talk about. But there's no beef, man. I got... Uh, nothing but respect for him and things he's done uh, with his career and having to see him back from injury. Uh, there's no beef um, at all, but he knows I'm going to compete, and I know he's going to compete, and that's all it is. Where's the beef? <laughs> Not as no beef. I mean, those guys played a lot of games, over 600 games they played together. They played in an NBA Finals together. They have respect for each other. It, it does seem like Durant you know, absolutely respects the other players in the games. You may be at odds with guys from time to time, but a lot of time has passed since they played together. You said that earlier. A lot of time has passed. Even though they played so many games together, a lot of times have passed since they played together. Now they're going to play against each other. They're going to want to beat each other. They're sure. competitors. Russ is going to want to win. He wasn't in the playoffs last year. He's going to want to win this year. I didn't I, I didn't know. Maybe I'm missing or forgetting some backstory between the two. I wasn't anticipating that there would be beef. You know, I I wasn't anticipating that there'd be a problem. And that's if there's one theme for these sound bites that we just played in this last segment here is that everybody seems cool. You know, Kevin Durant's cool with Barkley and and Westbrook is cool with Kevin Durant and we're, we're he, good. The, we're fine. The burner account that he had, 
he used it and kind of criticized Oklahoma City's management. And then he also kind of criticized Russ at that time. Okay. He, you know, he had a secret so account. That's the beef. That, that, there's, yeah. You want to know where the beef is? There's the beef, apparently. Yeah, so there was a beef there. And, you know, you know, kind of said he can't win a championship with those guys and stuff like that. So there was some, there was something when he used his burner account to kind of knock Russ a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's out there. That's something we got to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll continue previewing this series. Speaking of this series. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! Let's do this thing. It's time for our hottest ticket qualifier, Brian Belmonte from Phoenix. Brian Belmonte. You have 10 minutes to call, 602-260-9870 to qualify for Suns playoff tickets for this Sunday's game against the Clippers. If we don't hear from Brian Belmonte within the next 10 minutes, we'll open the phone lines to somebody else. If you didn't hear your name, you can still qualify. Text the word TICKET to 62620. Listen for your name tomorrow in the 7 a.m. noontime hour and the 5 o'clock hour tomorrow. Once again, Brian Belmonte from Phoenix. Ten minutes. You're on the clock. 602-260-9870. What was that thing saying the whole time? Fire! 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 Like we're firing off a can. Fire! 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 Where the heck did that come from? I don't know. The brilliantly warped mind of JV. Our... Our, okay. our, our production guru back there in his cave. Yeah, you never know what he's going to come up with. Okay, you never really Fire. do. You never really do. But that was figure good. out what I that was said, what they were saying. All right, Brian Belmonte, you're on the clock. Let's see what you got. What's going to be the difference in this Suns Clippers series? Every playoff series, for that matter. One star player who may or may not play has weighed in. You'll hear what he had to say next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to six point two five percent on your retirement savings. I don't know how to, but uh, no, nah, man, I, I, I've been feeling better. I've been working my butt off. I've been grinding like literally every day, six days out of the week. I'm I'm training. You know what I mean? I'm doing rehab. So I'm going to give it every chance I got, man. This is uh, coming down to the wire. Paul George, that was on his own podcast, Podcast P with Paul George, talking about when he's going to return. He basically says, I don't know. Don't know. I'm working on it. I, I joked with you earlier. There was a video that I, I retweeted of um, uh, footage being shot by the media at Clippers practice today. Paul George was out getting some jumpers up. Doesn't mean he's close to return, but he was out there on the floor getting jumpers up. And Ty Lue, it's, it's an open part of practice. You're allowed to shoot video, but as soon as Ty Lue sees that reporters are shooting video of Paul George. He literally walks over and stands right in front of him, puts his arms up in the air as tall as he possibly yeah. can to try to keep anybody from seeing what Paul the George is doing of distraction, out there. It's very Ty funny. Yeah, it's, it's like, okay, good luck, Ty. Listen, it was a time that, you know, for a lot of this season, the team that we probably feared the most was the Clippers. Yes. Because if George and Kawhi were healthy... You know, you've got two of those dominant, versatile wing players who could score, defend, and you know that was the team you felt. I've always told you, I think that the teams that could beat the Suns are the only teams that if you could, if you could defend the Suns, you could beat them. If you don't have a good defense, you're not going to beat the Phoenix Suns because you're not going to outscore them. You're not going to outscore them. 
So you got to play good defense. The Clippers, with George and Leonard healthy, they were a team to be reckoned with. But with George not being healthy and and even Kawhi didn't you know have the same type of impact he was still really good mm-hmm. but the same type of impact cuz he was still kind of lingering through some in, the the injuries but without Paul George, it's like you feel. I feel like you know. You take one key player like that out, they don't have what it takes to beat the Phoenix Suns without Paul George. Paul George was healthy going into these. We'd be really worried right now. If Paul George, we'd be were, really worried. We'd be. We would. We'd be, we'd be worried. If Paul George were healthy, I would have elevated the Clippers to the team I least wanted to play right. in the first round. Yeah. For, for for all the reasons that you just said, I would have wanted nothing to do with them. Um, but but they are, and not just Paul George. You're right. Kawhi Leonard is a really curious case going into this series. He's healthy. He's playing. He's played well as of late. But you think about it, if you're the Clippers, you have literally been saving him for this moment, right? You've, you haven't played him in back-to-backs. You've been very careful with his minutes all year long. You've managed him very well. The reason why is for this moment right here. How good is he going to be? Is he still limited? Is he still going to, you know, is he going to be held back? Is he going to hold himself back or not be able to do everything he once was? We'll see. I, I just know he's been, they've been holding him back for this exact point in time, and let's see what he's got. As far as Paul George goes, you mentioned the defense and, and the key to stopping the Suns. That's something else he talked about on the podcast P with him, Paul George. The team with the the most defenders is going to win. The team that has more defenders are going to win. If you could have more defenders on the court, more two-way guys on the court, your chances are going to be better because there's no weak links for teams to pick on. That's the value and I think why it's so great to have the elite guys like mm-hmm. the Jimmy Butlers, Kawhi Leonard's, uh, myself, Giannis, yeah. no Drew in there, another two-way great. And that's why Milwaukee's been been pretty good this year. They got guys that play both ends and it's tough. Drew Holiday, who was talking about, said throw Drew in there. Drew Holiday is the toughest matchup for Devin Booker because he is a great defensive player. And then you throw in Lopez, who's a great defensive player from Milwaukee. Giannis, great defensive player. They've got the guys that can defend. I mean, look at look at the Celtics with Marcus Smart and Tatum and Brown. So it's those teams. That, I mean, three of the top four teams defensively are in the East. Okay, so in the, so in some ways, the Suns get a little bit of a benefit. They're not going to see any of those teams. They're not going to see Boston and Milwaukee or Cleveland until the NBA Finals. The, the best defensive team in the in the West was Memphis, but barely. But they were they were the best defensive team, I think, numbers wise. Um, and you're not going to play Memphis. I mean, even if you win in the first round, you're not going to play Memphis in the second round. You'd match up with the you know the Denver matchup. So I think the Suns have a good path. I have a really good path. Yeah. But to his point, at some point, if you run into a team that has really good multiple defenders, that's where you could run into problems. No matter how good your offense is, if you've run into a really good defense, they can slow you down. Yeah, and, and that's why I do like the Suns' path. Because with no Paul George, I don't know if they have enough of those guys. I don't know if Denver has enough of those guys. Now we get to the Western Conference Finals. If the Suns are lucky enough to get to the Western Conference Finals, then we'll see who's who's left. Who do they have to play? It's the Warriors. How, how good is it? You know, is Wiggins back? How well is he acclimated? Is Gary Payton the second playing defense at his usual high level? Is Draymond Green doing the Draymond Green thing? That could be a team that could potentially defend the Suns very, very well because historically they have. They were missing a lot of those parts. Um, but here's more Paul George talking about two-way guys and how valuable they are on the floor. The two-way guys that play at a high 
high level on both floors are so valuable because there's no weaknesses. I'm a guard. I'm a stop you. And you can't stop me. I'm a go at you on the other end. I don't think two way guys get that much of a credit from a wow standpoint because you see the flashiness in the game. You see the offense. The offense gets all the credit in the game right. because of the highlights, because of the flashiness. Shout, Shout out, out to all the Shout two-way. out all two way players. <laughs> Who's the Suns two way player? Mikael Bridges was. Yeah, it was him. Um, Durant. Is Durant enough of a... I mean, I know I mean, his defense is underrated. He's better at it than he gets credit his for. His length allows him to be a really good defensive he's, player. He's, he's good. Right? Durant. I don't know if he's... I mean, it's not Chris. He's too small, and he's and the age has kind of taken away his what made him once a great defensive player. It's not Book, um, because as much as he's worked on his defense, he's not considered a great defensive player. It's not D.A., um, you know, your bench guys, I mean... Don't really have one on your bench. No, I mean, it's the your best your best two-way player is KD. Yeah. Remember that that, that incredible block from behind? Oh, yeah. Like, KD... Of Shea Gilson Alexander, that OKC game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy's 6'10 yeah. and a half. Like, he's he's tall, and he's he uses that length to his advantage defensively, and offensively, he can't be stopped. So I would say KD is your best. Yeah, I, I was thinking that's the right answer to the question, mm-hmm. because I, I do think his defense, and it's been said so many times, that his, that his offense is so good, it overshadows his defense and the level that he plays at there. I think he's probably the closest thing the Suns have. I don't know if I agree with Paul George necessarily that, you know, two-way guys are the keys to winning championships. I'm not sure if I'd go that far because the Suns don't have a ton of... That's been kind of their problem, really, the last three weeks of the season. Okay, but that's what they were building for so long. Oh, sure. They had T.J. Warren, they had Josh Jackson, they had Cam Johnson, they had Mikael Bridges. They they were building all these wing players because that is a way. A lot of people think that that's what you have to get, that that's the NBA. You don't need the great center anymore. There's only a couple of them. You know, you need you need guard play, but you need wing players because look, look, the whole the whole league is about switching defenses and matchups. And if you've got multiple guys that can defend defend different positions, it's very unlikely that you could get the matchup you want to get offensively. We see it all the time. The whole you get the ball, you set a pick, you set a screen, you try to get a matchup that you like to your advantage. Yeah. When you've got multiple defensive players that get it's it's harder to get that. Because you can always hide one guy. You can always hide one guy. Uh-huh. You can't hide five uh-uh. or four, but you can hide one. So if you've got three that are multiple that are really good defensively versus versatile, it's really hard to get the switch that you want to get. That is the funny thing when you look at all the like the advanced numbers about the Suns and the minutes that the starting five have been on the floor together. Y- your eyes are immediately drawn to the offensive numbers because you just assume that they're just going to be outscoring a bunch of right. guys. When those five are on the floor, the starting five for the Suns, their defensive rating is ridiculously good. Ridiculously good. I think it's somewhat surprising. It's it's a small sample size, as yeah, is the yeah, offense. They haven't played anybody good. But and, and there's that. There's definitely that. And that kind of hangs over this. But it is surprising how good they've been defensively. And I do think a lot of it has to do with the fact you've got two borderline seven-footers who can move as fluidly as they can. You know, and that allows them to do a lot of different things defensively. A lot of different things. And then there's a Kogi with the arms that are, he's like a pterodactyl out there. His yeah. arms are so long. Yeah. He's short, but his arms are huge, right? So that plays a role in all of this, too. No doubt about it. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yes. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! 
Okay. He didn't call, huh? What? Uh, Brian. He should be fired. Fired. <laughs> Brian didn't call. Caller number 10. 602-260-9870. If you're caller number 10, you get to make up for the fact that our caller didn't call in time, and you'll be qualified to win tickets to go see the Suns and the Clippers on Sunday. Caller number 10, 602-260-9870. If you didn't hear your name today, once again, text the word TICKET to 620-620. Listen for your name tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour, the 12 o'clock hour, or right back here at the 5 o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo Show for your chance to win tickets. Caller number 10. Is there a new team interested in the third overall pick? Where would they trade from? That's next. The Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Devin Yabo. There's our first qualifier for the hottest ticket in town. Congratulations, Devin, for being call number 10. As a qualifier, Devin has won a Phoenix Suns prize pack and has now been entered to win tickets for Sunday's game Devin one Yabo. Between the Clippers and the Suns. There Devin Yabo. Full name. There you go. If you want your chance to qualify, it's very easy. Text the word TICKET to 620-620 and you'll be edu- uh, registered, I should say, to win. Or find the link at ArizonaSports.com. The next qualifier will be announced tomorrow. Sometime in the 7 a.m. hour with Bickley and Murata. So make sure you're listening then. Sometime. Hottest the ticket in town. It is. Suns playoffs. Game one. Fire. Any better. <laughs> Fire. 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 Yeah, so there's that. Uh, you can, uh, again, ArizonaSports.com or text the word ticket to 620-620. Let's see if you get in on that. All right. We'll talk about D-Hop in a minute. Okay. I'm going to play a soundbite that, is this, is this the exact same soundbite? Wait, okay, it's longer. All right, because I we played a soundbite for me and Rappaport in the 4 o'clock reset about teams that might move up to number three for the Cardinals, right? right? Yes. And he listed the usual suspects. The Colts, I think, were in there. The Raiders were in there, et cetera. Um, there's another team he mentioned that we didn't play because we played the shorter version. Here's the longer version of the soundbite. There's an interesting name at the end that he mentioned. The Colts would at least be a possibility, if only to make sure that if they take a quarterback, no one goes in front of them. They could go from four to three. A quick jump would not cost them a ton. Certainly that has to be in their thinking. What about the Las Vegas Raiders? If they want to come up for a quarterback, uh, three would be a perfect spot. And of course, Dave Ziegler and Monty Ossifer know each other well from New England. That would make some sense. What about the Tennessee Titans who have done all the quarterback work? That would be a big leap. It would be sort of like the Trey Lance deal, somewhat similar value maybe. Could go from 11 to three, and then if the Texans want to double up and just take two of the best players in the draft, going from 12 to three would be expensive, but if they thought there was enough value in the player, would be something they might consider as well. That's the one I wanted to play. Why do I feel like we've mentioned the Texans moving up with that second pick before? Um, Why do I feel like we've discussed it that? Does. I don't know if we've talked So the about- Texans take Bryce Young... And then they use that other pick to try to move up. Or I think it was a mock draft where the Texans took like Will Anderson number two and then moved up into the top five to take another quarterback. I think that's why we talked about it before. Okay. Somebody somewhere along the way had a mock because I remember we had the conversation like, oh my God, what do you do if the Houston Texans take take Will Anderson? 
Number two overall. Then what do you right. do if you're the Cardinals? I think that's what kicked off that conversation because it's like, well, if you're the Cardinals, then it's easy. You trade out. You, you, you just you, you trade out. You move. But trading out with the Texans? Like, look, look, if there's one team that is armed to be able to move up from 12 to 3, it is the Houston Texans. With all the inventory they've got going forward? Yeah. Big time. they got all those first-round picks from the Browns for the Deshaun Watson trade. They've got, what, two next year alone? If they, This is where the Texans could get really big and bold and fat on this if they wanted to. Take Will Anderson at two. Call the Cardinals at three. Offer them twelve. Offer them. I'm looking at their. I'm looking at their inventory now. They've got the thirty third pick in the draft. They've got the sixty fifth pick in the okay, draft. Okay, so let me ask you something. Okay, go ahead. Because this is what doesn't make sense to me. My brain does not compute this. Why would you potentially get the third best quarterback in the draft when you could have the first instead of like? Why not take the quarterback and then move up to get the the defensive player that you want? Well, I mean, either order, you could do it. No, but if you, if you take Will Anderson first at number two, you're still getting the second best quarterback when you take him at three. Okay, so you okay? All right, right. So they're moving up to three with the Cardinals. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you. So either way, you're getting the either way, second you're getting best the number two quarterback. You're just okay. getting Will Anderson and the number two quarterback. Now the cost would be enormous, just like it would enormous. be enormous for the Titans to move up from eleven to three. But the Titan or the Texans have it. They have it. I mean, I, Mitch, if you can look up future first-round picks for the Houston Texans, I, I think they've got a ton of them. I think the Watson trade. I think they. I know they have. Two right, here next it is. Year. I found it. Oh, never mind. Gambo's April third. April third. Oh, is when we talk. Okay, keep looking, Mitch. Uh, he was looking at. He was okay. talking about something else. April third. Texans surprising draft stat- strategy with second pick in the draft. This was on Clutch Points. I believe we. This is why I, th- I believe we talked about it. And in this, it says that they would uh, King, a longtime NFL insider. Maybe it was Peter King. Uh, revealed some rumblings about the Texans' plan with the second pick. Despite all of the hype surrounding the quarterbacks, general manager Nick Anderson is not rushing to draft one with the second pick. King's source says the Texans might draft edge rusher Will Anderson at two and then use the 12th pick to trade back up with a different team. So he didn't specifically mention the Cardinals. There, there's, there's been no specific conversation, at least on our show, about the Texans moving from 12 to 3 it to was, take a quarterback. It, it came from Peter King. Well, I know, but it was just, yeah. but, but no. what Peter King was suggesting was the general idea that, that they, they would just use, use it 12 to move, to move back up. Right. Um, if they were to move with the Cardinals. Okay, so Mitch just sent me in teams. They have two firsts in this draft. They have two firsts the next draft and another first from the Browns the year after. They suggested here that they could move to four or five. Okay. Well... Look, but you, they don't mention three. But it can, was brought up that they could try to take Will Anderson at two. That would shock me if they did that. Like, we'd all be, like, floored. Well, it'd be bold. It'd be... It'd be I mean, think about it if you're a fan of the Houston Texans. You'd be like, oh, yeah, go for it, guys. Wow. Love that aggressiveness. And if you're the Cardinals, I mean, look, if you're the Cardinals, it's kind of the best of both worlds you know, in this regard. You've been a big advocate of getting Will Anderson. Yeah. The Texans could call the Cardinals, theoretically, and say, look, don't waste your time. We're going to take him at number two. We're going to take him. Just telling you right now, we're going to take Will Anderson at number two. 
So here's our package to offer you for the number three pick. Because you're not getting him at four. You're not not getting him at three. You're not moving back a spot to get him. He's gone. Yep, he's gone. We're taking him. So here's our package. We'll offer you a first and a second this year, next year's first, the year after, whatever. Oh, my God. Right? I mean, it could be. And they again, I'm telling you, just this year alone. Why not just, okay, but why not just take the quarterback you want at two and then get a really good defensive player at 12 without having to give up all that inventory? Because Will Anderson is the player to take. Right? Because the, the drop between Will Anderson and the next best edge rusher, right, is, is it's not, it's, it's, yeah, it's significant, you know? I mean, that, that, that's the whole reason why you don't want the Cardinals to move, is because you think Will Anderson is that special of a guy at number three or number four that you're encouraging him. That's the reason why, because I could get any uh, defensive player at 12. I want him. I, I want Will Anderson. Will Anderson led, led the FBS. He was number one in, with 34 and a half sacks in his career. He was number one in tackles for losses with 62. He was number one in quarterback pressures with 206. You're damn right I want him. I want Will Anderson. That's I, so that, that, that answers your question. Nobody right had more sacks. Nobody had more tackles for loss. Nobody had more quarterback pressures during his time as a college football player than he did. I want him. I want that guy. Here's what Houston has in this year's draft. They have number two. They have number 12. They have number 33 in the second round. They have number 65 in the third. You got to think he's Lawrence Taylor to make that type of like that type of game. Like I'm going to I'm going to get you and then I'm going to trade up. And I'm going to give up all these inventories because I still need a quarterback. Or you got to think that the quarterback that you're going to take there, because to think that you could walk out of this draft with Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, and Bryce Young, who doesn't think that's a great frickin' draft by the Houston Texans? I, it's going to cost them a fortune, but that's why you do it. Wow. That's why you do it. And Let's the only way the Cardinals do it is if you convince the Cardinals that you're taking Will Anderson, and you're not going to get him. Yeah. Don't talk about trading back with Indianapolis, well, and they take a quarterback, and you get Will Anderson because he's gone. We're you, taking him. Or you convince the Cardinals to do it because it's just the best package you're going to get. I, I mean, they've got... Five of the first 73 picks Houston does this year. They can use those picks and future first to make a deal that Arizona's just going to go, oh, man, can't say All right, no give me a minute. Like, give me a minute on D-Hop. Give you a minute on D-Hop. Give me a minute on D-Hop. Albert Breer, uh, mailbag today, was asked a question about the Jets pivoting to DeAndre Hopkins since they lost Odell Beckham Jr. to the Ravens. And yes. he said, yes, it's possible. They could pivot. To DeAndre Hopkins, and wow. I wasn't surprised at all when I saw the story. Not one bit. They, they passed on Odell Beckham Jr. They could have paid him $15 million, just matched the offer. He wanted to go to the Jets. They didn't pay him. Hopkins is going to cost you more. That's why it didn't seem possible to me, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. When we come back, first, let me remind you that the Foo Fighters are going to be playing a Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater on October 3rd. General on Sale begins this Friday at 10 a.m. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Whose legacy is going to be impacted the most by winning a championship? It might not be the first one you think of in these NBA playoffs. A different take that we'll bring to you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, the games that we're going to watch tonight, and they are brought to you by Global Credit Union. Twelve branches here to serve you. Become a member today at globalcu.org. 
NBA basketball. We're not going to watch D-backs baseball. They already won. We'll give you the details on that in just a second. But we are going to watch NBA basketball tonight and right now. Toronto. Yeah, they're putting a hurting on the Bulls. 77-61 with about three and a half minutes to go in the third quarter of that game. Toronto with a win would advance to play the Hawks. No, the Heat. I'm sorry, the Heat. The Heat the lost. Heat, the Heat lost. So they would go to Miami to play the Heat, and the winner of that series would get the Bucks in a first round series. And then later tonight, we're going to be watching the New Orleans Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder in a similar 9 10 matchup. The winner of that one goes to Minnesota to play the Timberwolves on Friday. The loser is officially out. Yes. Interesting note in baseball Archie Bradley has signed a minor league deal with the Marlins. He was not with anybody. I didn't know that. Yeah, he kind of, remember he got hurt jumping over the fence? Yeah. And um, and and so he was out for a while with a wrist injury or something, but nobody signed him. So Archie Bradley was unsigned this year, signed a minor league deal with the Marlins. That bullpen's terrible. So back in baseball, but just on a minor league deal right I'll be, now. I'll be honest, I, I can't believe I'm saying this about a guy who at one time was so iconic around here. I had completely lost track of him. Like, I just assumed he was in somebody's system somewhere, or somebody's bullpen somewhere. Angels, he was with, God, how many teams he's been with now? He's been with with the Reds at one point, The Reds, that's right. He was with the Reds for a while. Um, Since we're mentioning baseball here, I'll just bring this up, too. I just saw this come through on uh, my Twitter account about a half hour ago. Um, Bryce Harper is going to learn first base. He went to the Phillies with the idea earlier this month. It's not going to change his timeline for returning as a designated hitter, but it might get him back in the field sooner this season. Bryce Harper might learn how to play first. Uh, Reese Hoskins is out with the torn ACL. That's usually where catchers go to play. Usually. When their careers are winding down. Go play first base. It's easy. guys are recovering from a torn ACL, right, for him? Is that his plan? Yeah. Um, yeah, Tommy. Oh, no, Tommy John surgery. Yeah, tell you Tommy John Tommy John, elbow. Elbow surgery. So, um... He's going to learn how first to first base. place. Maybe it could help him return to the field quicker in 2023. Maybe it could help the Phillies beyond 2023. He went to the Phillies, made his pitch, and they gave him the green light. Go okay. ahead. Learn how to play first. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Uh, Diamondbacks, if you missed it, they're not on tonight. They were on earlier today. Four really good innings from Dre Jameson in a slightly shorter start, given that he hadn't really been stretched out, but he was really, really good. Corbin Carroll hit a two-run homer in the seventh. Goriel hit a three-run homer in in the fourth, and the Diamondbacks have yet to lose a series so far this year. Yeah, and they played good baseball teams, too, right? I mean, you look at them, you're like, wow, they've really played good baseball teams. So it's fun. You look at the standings, and you see the Diamondbacks in first place at 8-5, and five, the Padres 7-6, and six, and then the Dodgers reeling at 6-6. Six and six. You know, that Dodgers lineup is interesting. Like, you look at the Diamondbacks at all the stolen bases. The Dodgers don't have any of those guys. It's a power lineup, but with no, they have a lot of guys. No, they don't steal. So it's so different the way the Dodgers Dodgers play the game in a way the Diamondbacks do, and the, the game is more slanted towards teams that can run and take the extra base, and the Dodgers just truly don't have that guy. Dave Roberts doesn't want to steal a whole lot. I mean, so I remember Peralta got thrown out against the Diamondbacks trying to get the sell. Like, so they have to play the baseball the old-fashioned way, trying to hit home runs, when a lot of these teams that are having success, they're stealing a lot of bases. Look, the Dre Jamison thing, and we're so close to the end now. Let's just talk about Diamondbacks until the end of the show, and we can talk about Stephen A. and what he had to say about about, about uh, Russell Westbrook tomorrow, if we get the chance to. Okay. Let's just talk about this. Dre Jameson, um, this, is, this is like a 
possible inflection point for the Diamondbacks. And what I mean by that is if he continues to pitch well enough in the rotation, when Zach Davies comes back, depending on what Mad Bum does, it might very well be decision time for the Diamondbacks organization when it comes to that rotation and who they want in it and who they don't. Listen, when Davies went down... Uh, Dre Jameson came up, and everybody keeps thinking, okay, what's going to happen if you take Bumgarner out of the rotation? It's real easy. Davies replaces him. So if Bumgarner doesn't pitch well, when Davies is ready to come back, he just replaces Bumgarner. You're not going to take, I don't, if Dre Jameson pitches like he did today, like you're not going to take him out of the rotation. He's a starting pitcher. And he's a dominant starting pitcher. He was dominant last year. First game against the Padres, he was unbelievable. He was lights out for seven innings. And then today he was great. He was great in a relief role. If you like him as a starter and Davies comes back, now your decision isn't, do I send Jameson, Dre Jameson back to the bullpen? It's, who do I have start? Who do I prefer? Zach Davies or Madison Bumgarner? Look, I prefer neither, but I got to take one of the two. <laughs> so if you like Davies better than Bumgarner, you go with Davies. I was going to say that's a loaded question because I'm not a big fan. No, me neither. One of those guys either. Um, but I mean, I mean, they've, they've both struggled. Mad Bums, you put it at five. My guess is the organization has probably made it more like seven or eight starts for Mad Bum before they really like figure out what are we going to do about this. What 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 should we do about this? And we've gone through the options. You could put them on the injured list with a phantom injury if you wanted to. You could give them even more rope than seven or eight starts. For you, the magic number is five. After five starts, I was seven seven or eight. But if he has three more bad starts, I'm, I'm I'm really limiting it now because they're good. They're good. And you know how I feel. I don't want to keep running him out there. And lose baseball games, and then you get to the end of the season and you miss the playoffs by two games. Because then you're going to go back and you're going to be pissed at yourself that you didn't take them out of the rotation earlier. This team's good. Yeah, they are. They may stay good. I can't afford to lose every time I put Madison Bumgarner out. I, there. I don't disagree with anything that you just said. Let me just ask you this Does one good start by Mad Bum in the next three buy him more? Yes. Okay. Right, because if yes. if he goes out, he pitches well against Miami. Then you got to think that's no longer a five game limit for him. Now it's he, he buys himself a game. Now it's six starts. Now it's seven starts. Whatever before you have to make a decision. I, I got to imagine for every good start he has, he starts to buy himself a little bit of equity when it you, comes you, to this. You, but you can't be one good start out of every four or five. It just can't be that. Like that trend couldn't continue. Maybe he buys him if he if he goes seven innings. Two runs, four hits, walks one, and beats the Marlins. It definitely, you know, you, it, it it holds it off for a little while. It holds off the talk about taking him out of the rotation. But but now let's see what he does. It is can he do it again? But if he goes out in his next start and he gets bombed. It's like, okay, it's We're just like... back to square one yeah, again. Then you go it. back to square one. Yeah, it's just, it's an expensive decision no matter what you're going to do. And as you've pointed yeah. out, you're going to pay him no matter what. I mean, whether he's here, whether he's not, whether he's pitching, whether he isn't, if he's on the IL, if he's not, you, you owe him the money. There's no avoiding that. So you're obviously trying to maximize value. He doesn't have any trade value on the market. You're not going to get anything for him if you wanted to at the trade deadline. So my guess is the organization will look to stretch him out as long as they can, but at some point they will have have to make a decision. That is going to do it for us here on Burns and Gambo. We're out of here. We're going to see you tomorrow, straight up 2 o'clock right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.